0: This episode of The People of PCPS is brought to you through the generous support of Joe Fisher's office at MidState Educators Insurance. For more information, visit InsurePolk.com. Welcome to The People of PCPS, a Polk County Public Schools podcast. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of teachers, paraeducators, support staff, students, volunteers, alumni, and all the people who contribute to Polk County Public Schools. Whether they're working in the school district, learning in our classrooms, or using their education to improve our community, the people are what make Polk County Public Schools great. Let's get to know our colleagues, our students, our neighbors, and our friends, the people of PCPS.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Pleasant, Senior Director of Communications for Polk County Public Schools, and welcome back to the People of PCPS podcast. This is a special time that we've set aside to talk to talk to and learn more about the people of Polk County Public Schools, because we really feel like it's the people who make this organization great. And our school district is full of so many great stories. And I'm so excited today to tell the story of Carol Martin, who is the school nutrition manager at Alturas Elementary? Welcome, Carol. Thank you, Carol. You are so interesting to me in so many ways. We're going to talk about everything from um, your your own children to your studies in criminal justice. Which, <laughs> how do you go from studying criminal justice to managing a school cafeteria? To your own relationship with food and how you're helping our young um, youngest children, our youngest students make um, good food choices in your work today. So Carol, welcome to the show. Tell us about, um, you know, in talking to you, one of the first things that really becomes apparent is that you are very much a mother figure and you've kind of spent your whole life nurturing children. You foster children. Now you work with them. Just tell us about how you came to realize that you really wanted to spend your life working with kids.
2: Okay, well, um, I do have two of my own and I've had four that I've raised. So. Being that I spent so much time in Children's Hospital with my youngest son, I knew that's where my passion was. The love that I have, you know, for children and being able to get out there and show them that there is somebody out there that loves them and cares for them and point them in the right direction. That's when I knew that was going to be my life passion is just, you know, knowing that, feeling it in your heart and your soul and, you know, going forward from there. But you studied criminal justice. Yes, ma'am.
1: Later in life, you went back to school and to get your bachelor's in criminal justice. Why criminal justice? What were you thinking about doing?
2: My ultimate goal was to um, get my criminal justice degree and go on to law school because I um, wanted to be an attorney for children. That was always my goal, and um, a talk with my dad kind of, you know, put me on a different path. But that was my passion was to be able to help kids that didn't have a voice or didn't wasn't in a position to have a voice.
1: You mentioned that you spent a lot of time in the hospital with your son. You had a son named Mark who died at 19. And when did he die?
2: In February of 2018.
1: Tell us a little bit about Mark and how the experience of caring for him and the losing for him has, has changed you.
2: Okay. It definitely has taught me to take one day at a time <laughs> for sure. Um, being in the hospitals, I could back up just a little bit more. I have a daughter. Well, she's my stepdaughter, but she's mine. That lost her arm in a car accident. And that was the start of our hospital stays, you know. Um, but then, Being able to go to different hospitals, you know, as far south as Miami all the way to Tennessee and seeing the different children, the things they suffer from, being in that environment and learning, you know, just seeing things that parents go through, being able to sit and talk to them or even talk to the children, but learning that every day was a battle with Mark um the you know the complications he had the disease that he battled all his life it was a it was a battle so i knew that that's where my heart lied was definitely with the kids not just mine even though you know he was my first priority but knowing that the passion was there that you just want to help the children you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and that's just how i felt with mark mark died of epilepsy yes ma'am um
1: you were saying before we started the show that um you and Mark, you spent a lot of time in cars together, traveling to different hospitals. And it was it was really in that um, situation that you you put on a lot of weight and, yes, and you started to realize that you had an unhealthy relationship with food. Yes, Can you ma'am. tell us about that?
2: Well, it was, we were always on the go, two and three doctor's appointments a week, you know, from here to Orlando or when we lived in Tennessee, it was, you know, probably just as far. And so we... A lot of fast food restaurant food. We would, you know, fly through and grab a hamburger and fries and a drink. And so that we you don't realize it when you're on the go so much, just how unhealthy you eat, whether it be grab a hamburger two days out of the week. And so me and Mark both had put on some weight and not realizing just how bad it was affecting our health.
1: And. But you together decided to start making some healthier choices yes right? ma'am yes ma'am
2: um, It was a game me and Mart would play we would always pack a cooler once you know we decided that he needed to lose weight as well as I did. Um, we would pack the cooler and Mart would always make a joke and it was it was his turn to pack the cooler whether it be carrots and some ranch dip or celery which, I don't like, but in <laughs> celery and peanut butter and raisins, it was a game because, you know, it, who could surprise who with the healthiest food instead of stopping at the store and grabbing a bag of chips or, you know, things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And as you two together changed your diet and it became a, a kind of a game between you, but what, what results did you see just from those change
2: those changes you made? Yeah. Um, Mark did lose a lot of weight, a lot more than I did, probably because he was a kid and a whole lot more active. But it did make a big difference as far as, you know, the way you feel, the being able to sleep better at night because, you know, different foods, the way they settle in you. So it it made a huge difference.
1: So you lost Mark. Yes, ma'am. But um, you decided to... Um, continue the good habits that you had started with him and you even took it uh, a bit further. You had gastric bypass surgery. When did you have your surgery?
2: In October of
1: 2015. And and tell us about that journey To How did that change your life?
2: Um, it was a battle at first because the morning of surgery I said I wasn't going to do it. I, I, I was trying to talk myself out of it. But I had it done and The first year, you know, was great. The honeymoon phase, you know, lost a little over 100 pounds. The next year was a little bit of a struggle between just getting lax in what I was doing and paying attention to what I was putting in my mouth and, you know, other things, just life. But It was definitely a journey that I do not regret. I just wished I had done it sooner. Mm -hmm. It definitely, you have to change your eating habits and your Mm -hmm. lifestyle habits. It's not just being able to sit around and do nothing. It's getting out, making sure you're conscious of what's going in your mouth, what's going to settle on your stomach. And not being lazy, to get up and be motivated and do things.
1: And to date, you've lost how much weight?
2: 162 pounds. 162 pounds,
1: right. Yes, ma'am. And and so we mentioned prior to starting the show, you and I were talking about, I mean, you see this as a way of continuing to honor your son. If he were to see you today and you've lost 162 pounds and you're happy and healthier then he may have known you. What what do you what do you think it would mean to him if he could see you Well, know? he
2: would always tell me when I would get on the scale. He would always say, Mama, I love you no matter what. But to see that I was accomplishing goals that I had set yeah. I always told my children, if you start something, finish it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, you know, even my oldest son, he always tells me how proud he is of me. Because, you know, when you set out on something, you teach, you try to lead by example and teach your children the same thing. So for Mark to be able to look and say, I believe he'd be very proud, you know, and be wanting to give me a big old bear hug because that's just what he did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and um, within your family, the legacy of... This healthy eating that's become kind of a legacy of your son and your time with him that's still very much alive in your family. Your grandchildren are are starting to pick it off and and tell us a little bit more
2: about that. Um, my grandson, the oldest is, he's a mess because he'll tell us things. He'll say, well, Uncle Mark would have did it this way or Uncle Mark would have did it that way. And it's simple things, whether it be the ranch dressing, you know, Mm. or being conscious of not drinking a soda, let's, let's have water or let's have, you know, juice, something that doesn't have a lot of sugar in it. So he, the oldest one is definitely very conscious and very aware. Mm-hmm. The youngest one, you know, he, he was too young when Mark passed, but Caden definitely carries on that tradition. And we always tell him all the time, all right, Mark, because he acts just like Mark did.
1: You've been, you, I should have mentioned earlier, you're the <laughs> 2020 SRE school related employee yes, at Alturas ma'am. Elementary. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. And
1: that accomplishment, you you haven't been at Alturas all that long. So nope. 2016 is when you became the no.
2: I just become the um, manager out there last year.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, 2019. Ma'am. But have you been with the district
2: since 2016? Okay, you yes,
1: You've been at the district since 2016, working in in the um, school nutrition area, but manager since 2019. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I got you. So. Um, so you now you're you're the cafeteria manager and you have a very interesting relationship with food, given your history with with um, with weight and, and then gastric bypass. So how do you? Every day when you're interacting with kids, how do you try to instill good eating habits in them?
2: Well, I I had told you the story about the hummus and the one little girl that come through the line, and she just kept you know eyeballing it, but she wouldn't ever make the dedication to it. And so I just kept encouraging her, just try it, you might like it. And now, come to find out, she eats it every day. But even like presenting the food to the kids. My grandkids are more of a sight eater. If it looks good to them, they will try it. If it doesn't, you can hang it up. And so me and my ladies make sure that when we present the vegetables, the color is you know, right. And I learned that from an old manager that I worked for because hers definitely it was presentation Mm -hmm. because most people are, they do eat with their eyes first. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't look good, nobody's going to want to try it. So, and that's what we live by in my kitchen is, you know, making sure that when somebody walks up to it, they're going to want to say, hey, I want to try that. Children are definitely a challenge because not only do you have to do you know, teach them by looking at it. You Uh got to teach them other ways to just encourage them. Some of them, if it's just a little bit of encouragement and it's like, hey, why don't you try that? Or let's try that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Most kids, you can get them to persuade them into trying something.
1: So, um, I mean, you are really on the front lines of this battle that a lot of parents are waging. I have an 11-year-old daughter, and to this day, she eats maybe Six foods. I mean, very picky. Yes. Ma'am. What advice would you give to parents like me who are struggling with that, getting their kids to just try something new?
2: When we take my grandkids, like if we go out to eat, a lot of the times I'll tell my daughter-in-law and son, don't order them any food because most of the time it's just going to sit there. So we will order new things on our plates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll say, hey, Yaya, I want to try that. Mm-hmm. And it'd be something that they've never even dreamed of putting in their mouth. But it's it's too, you know, "Mm, this is good, (laughs) you know, just different things. My grandson has picked up a habit of putting ketchup on his eggs. I don't know where he gets that from, but just little things, you know, let them try. Let them encourage them Mm -hmm. if it means putting ketchup on their eggs. If it means, you know, we we try to encourage them to try everything at least.
1: One of the reasons why we
2: do honor
1: school-related employees every year is because the district recognizes that even those who are not classroom teachers get to make an incredible impact in the lives of students. And so um, as a cafeteria manager, what are you, yes, every day you are providing them the food groups and the sustenance they need to go back and learn in the classroom, but like Bigger picture, what are you hoping that you are providing to the kids?
2: I hope that when they walk in our cafeteria, they know that they are loved by us. Uh, You know, we have 300 plus students enrolled at our school, but I know every one of them by name. And so when they walk up to me, I could, and I have, we have some nicknames for some of them. I have one little girl that she walks by me and one day she, I said, what is your name? Mm -hmm. And I knew it, but I'm trying to get them to understand that if I'm not the one standing there, they have to tell whoever's there. Mm -hmm. And she said, my name's Bob. So that's our joke. You know, when she walks up, I'll say, hey, Bob slash her name. And she'll laugh. Well, the little kids behind her always say, your name's not Bob. She said, it is to Miss Carol. (laughs) So, you know, we, it's building a relationship with them and knowing that a lot of the times we're the first ones they see because they come to get breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that no matter what, we're going to be happy to see them. We love them. We want them, their bellies full so that when they go to class, they can focus on doing their schoolwork instead of being hungry.
1: Yeah. And the, can you think of, you mentioned a little girl who now likes hummus, but Mm -hmm. can you think of um, any other students who kind of stand out in your mind? Who you've made a special connection with and how you've seen them turn around?
2: Definitely my little kindergartner last year. He's a first grader this year. But um, he had come in, and he really didn't talk a lot. And I had spoke to him one day, and the teacher said, you know, he he might not talk to you. I said, Mm -hmm. then my goal was to get him to talk to me. Mm -hmm. That was my goal. And so I have a love for Snoopy, Mm -hmm. and I had a little Snoopy up there, and it was a little bobblehead Snoopy, and he saw it. And I seen his eyes light up. And so I called him by name and I said, You like Snoopy? And I got a head nod, just a small head nod. So every day I fed off of that. Uh And the point was, to the point that I went to the teacher and said, "Um, Will you check with mom and see if it's okay? Can he have Snoopy if we get to a point that he will talk to me? And so she came back to me. She said, Mom said, That's fine. That's, you know, okay and I didn't make a big fuss of it because I didn't want the other kids to, you know. So eventually, by the end of you know, the school year last year, he would talk to me. He talks to me now. He comes in and I'll say, good morning. Mm -hmm. And he'll say it back. And I'll say, who's your teacher? And he'll talk to me and he'll look at me and say, have a good day, Miss Carol. So it and the the teacher happened, the kindergarten teacher from last year happened to walk in and she said, you got him to talk to you. But that was the goal was getting him to trust me Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, I'm there to help him no matter what.
1: And why is that important that they feel they can trust you and then they can open up?
2: I want them to be able to open up to me and my ladies, because if, to me, it's not just about food. We're building relationships for these kids. We're building social skills for these kids to make them understand that, you know, we're there for them and they should be be able to talk to us. We're there not just to serve them food, but to help them, to guide them in, you know, in the right direction as far as it whether it be food or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm big on building relationships because, you know, I I love children. Well, so
1: much of our socialization takes place around food. So yes, I guess ma'am. that makes sense that that you would want to help build those social skills in that setting too. Um Going back to just real quickly, how you managed to have that one little girl like hummus, and how you're you you work with your own family members, and you know getting them to try new things. Again, like big picture, it's not just about hummus. It's not just about figuring out whether or not you like ketchup on your eggs. When you try new foods, you're you're trying something new, and that's something that, in other ways, in your life you need to be open
2: to doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am.
1: Is that sort of how you picture it? or?
2: Yes, ma'am, for the um, simple fact of, I'll use myself as an example. There, when I went and had my weight loss surgery, they were big on like fish and seafood and stuff like that. I would never eat it growing up. I just didn't like it. I wouldn't just, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they really pushed that on me. So in my mind, I had to reset my mind to think, I just told myself I didn't like it. Maybe if I try it, then I might like it. So we had went out to dinner one night and my son had some shrimp on his plate. And so I tried it. I ended up breaking in, breaking out in a rash because of it, because I was allergic to it. But, but it's just making, it's retraining your mind to Mm -hmm. think, you know, that I told myself I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Let me try it now. Mm -hmm. Let me try something else. And that's what I tell, you know, my kids, my own children and grandchildren, just try it. You mm-hmm. might like it. You you might not like the way somebody cooked it last time, mm-hmm. but somebody else might cook it different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same thing with the kids that come through the line. I tell them the same thing. Well, that's not who's cooking this week. Somebody else is cooking. So why don't we try and see if they made it different, mm-hmm. you know, which is not we follow a recipe. But in a children's mind, they, you know, are going to mm-hmm. take what we say because we're the adults. And I just want them to know that, always be open to change especially in food mm-hmm. because food changes so much and there's so many different things you can do with it
1: well and like just even outside of the cafeteria I mean life yes, changes ma'am. it presents you with new opportunities mm-hmm. and so in that way it's it's helpful to be open to yes, new ma'am. things right yeah. um, so you mentioned shrimp and how you had you had an allergic reaction and that's um, I asked you to because your current work and then so much of You have a unique relationship with food in different ways. I asked you if you would tell us about a recipe that you recall from your childhood and that has some meaning, and it happens to sometimes involve shrimp. So tell us about that recipe.
2: (laughs) The recipe is my dad's shrimp fried rice. Um, Growing up, he would always make it when we would have get-togethers. Everybody always loved it. But my daddy always... I'll back up and tell you, my dad was a cook in the military for 15 years, so he's not used to cooking small amounts. But he would always make the shrimp fried rice. Mm -hmm. He would always saute his shrimp and his onions separate. And because I didn't eat shrimp back then, I always got mine separate. Mm -hmm. He would always give me the rice and the eggs and stuff like that. And then he would mix the shrimp in. Mm -hmm. But that I attributed to that was our... I call it family time because it was always when we had a Mm get-together. And Dad always set mine aside, so that was my special little treat, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the shrimp fried rice just sticks out. It was just one recipe that I always remembered growing up. And you provided
1: that recipe to us so that we can provide it to our viewers. What's your specialty now, Carol, when you're having family get-togethers? What is your Shrimp fried rice.
2: Um, well, I don't put shrimp in it. <laughs> oh, right, right. Your equivalent of that. Yes, ma'am. I, I um, I've made that, but probably would have to be my dad was a big dessert maker, very big dessert maker, mm-hmm. and I don't know that i really have one but like i was telling you earlier we made the apple crisp the other day it was a big you know hit and dad always made dad never measured nothing so um but he always made treats and that is my thing when the holidays roll around i make cookies cakes you know the the different things that my dad used to make i make and give my family now Uh as a gift Uh which is kind of Awkward since, you know, we watch our weight and stuff, but yes, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things. Um Carol, the premise of this
1: podcast is that we feel every individual, all 13,000 some of us who work here, we all contribute something unique to Polk County Public
2: Schools. What is it that you think you give our organization? Um Honesty, uh, passion, integrity. I feel like You know, I tell my ladies when we walk in every morning that whether it be no matter what we do, we're going to give 150 percent because that's, you know, part of how I was raised. Daddy always told us if a man or a woman hires you, you give them 110 Mm percent. And I've always said you push more than that because. Even if it's just the small bit that we feed the kids, that that's the little impact we make. I want them to know when they go on later in life, a lot of the times the kids come back and they do remember the lunch ladies. Mm -hmm. They remember the woman that fed them or the or the man that fed them. And so even if we have that small part of their life Mm -hmm. that they can recall and say, you know, when I walked through the line, Miss Carol was so sweet or one of my other ladies was so sweet to me and I was having a bad day. I want that little piece that we get, those few minutes, to have a lasting impact. And I believe that we have the passion and the heart for it to make sure that, you know, as they go on up through, they do remember that.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Carol. I have so enjoyed talking to you and getting to know more about you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you change careers to become a teacher, para, or bus driver? Do you remember the moment when you knew a career in education was right for you? Are you a PCPS alumnus who remembers the teacher who made you believe you were capable of great things? Are you a student who is already putting your K-12 education to work in our community? We all have a story to tell, and those stories are part of what makes PCPS great. Tell us yours. To be a guest or to nominate someone you know to be featured on The People of PCPS, fill out the form posted online at polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: You can subscribe to the People of PCPS podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the People of PCPS and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, visit polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.